Hi, this is April Mazza. And this is Christy Showman Fair. And this podcast is Overdue. We're friends and colleagues, librarians, librarians. And each episode, we talk about books we're reading, things we're loving, and library advice we're giving. Good morning, April. Good morning, Christy. How are you? I'm doing pretty well today, although I'm cold. It is cold good. in here. Yeah. I almost said good. I don't I don't mean good. <laughs> you're cold, but yeah, it's a little chilly yeah. this time of year, but I'm glad you're doing good overall. Yeah. Well, and, the, and we're doing the um the New England challenge, which is for people who don't live here. How long can you wait until you turn on your heat? <laughs> yeah, we lost that challenge already quite a bit ago, actually. I was kind of surprised um, because it was my husband who suggested we turn the heat on and usually he's more like put a sweater on put on some socks (laughs) yes actually my husband this morning was like I think we need to turn the heat on because our our uh living room was only barely was like 60 degrees and Mm. uh Fahrenheit for those of you not in the United States um and uh it it was a little chilly for inside the house yeah, it is a fun game for a <laughs> to see how long you can go. But then it's then it, when it's not fun, that's when you yeah know, exactly you yeah know. yeah. But good job lasting this long. Thank you. Almost November. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, what have you been reading? Well, I actually haven't done a lot of reading um, lately, but I have a, a galley here that I got really excited about. So this is a picture book. Um, I got it a while ago, so it might actually be out now. It's called Yes, We Will, Asian Americans Who Shaped This Country. And it's by Kelly Yang, who- um, Oh, I love the, her. Yeah, she wrote the Front Desk um, series. And this is just a really like, gorgeous and fun uh, sort of collective biography. So I will say it's not, each spread does not go into depth on each person, um, but you do get that in the back in the author's note, which I love, like when they give you, you know, sort of a more mm-hmm. full um, biography. This is written more like a narrative that's very empowering about Asian Americans and um, sort of their contributions to our country. But then each double page spread is about uh, a particular person or concept. So the at the beginning, it starts, they were told to get out. They were told they couldn't stay. You know what they said to that? They said, we belong here and we will thrive. Yes, we will. And then at the bottom um, is a, a sentence talking about the Chinese Exclusionary Act um, and other sort of Uh, discriminatory policies and laws in the U.S. And and then it goes into different people. And it's really cool to like the diversity of people. So it covers like sports, politics, artists, um, musicians, activists, um, different, all different people. Many of them I knew, uh, like Kamala Harris, um, I am Pei, who's the architect. That oh, did yeah. The, yeah. The, he did the John F. Kennedy Museum that's in Massachusetts. Um, the musician, her, Sandra Oh, just tons of people that you know about. And then there were people I'd never heard of. Um, like one of them is Franklin Chang Diaz. 
Um, he's a Costa Rican Chinese American astronaut. Um, and I've cool. never heard of him. Yeah. And he's been to space like uh, many, many times. And the other thing I really like about it is it's each double page spread is a different done by a different artist. Oh, fun. Yeah. And they're all Asian or Asian American artists. So you get, you know, just all these different styles and different colors and I could try to show you some. It is a picture book galley, as I mentioned. So it falls so apart. Kind of falling <laughs> apart in my hands. Um, but let's see. Um, so here's the one. Here's uh, part of the spread. This has Tammy Duckworth and Kamala Harris on one side. Um, Peter Sai, who's a scientist and invented the um, KN95 mask. Oh, cool. Or the N95 mask, I should say. And yeah, it's just like, I'd had it for a while and I kind of just let it um, sit at my desk <laughs> for a bit. And it's just a lot of, like I said, it's fun. To me, it's fun. And I did kind of wonder, and I would be curious what our listeners think. Do kids like books like this? I hope they do. This is the kind of book I would like as a kid because I like variety. Like mm-hmm. I like I like to learn about different people in these little snippets. I like how the art is different on each page and you get their name. That I would say the one thing that I wished it had, which I try not to do with books, um, is that I would like to learn a little more about the artists mm. as well. I mean, you do get their names, so you can do your own research. But I think that would have been a cool addition to the author's yeah. note. Yeah. Who are some of the artists? Um, Dan Santan is one of oh, them. Oh, yay. I love yeah. his style. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but some I also never heard of. Julie Kwan. That name's a little familiar. familiar. Sally Dang. Marcos Chin. But yeah, I don't know if like, do kids like a book like that? And you couldn't use it for a report, but... I think it's super inspirational and it's really important obviously to have like representation of different different prominent people and I don't think we see a lot with Asian American uh not enough not enough yeah, yeah. that's the type of book I th- my kids might not pick up on their own but if I brought it home and read it they'd like it so I think that that would be a really good addition to like a classroom library or yes. um, school library Definitely. And I do think, you know, like I said, you might not be able to use this if you're doing a biography report, you know, it's not going to give you enough information on one person, but it's a good uh, jumping off point yes, exactly. if kids are having trouble. And that's why I always liked collective biographies when I worked in a children's room. The reason why I liked having those around is because it could really help kids who are having trouble finding the person they're supposed to do their report on. But yeah, definitely like if you had this out on display, I mean, it should be around all year round, but then it would be great if you did do like an Asian American and Pacific American uh, month display type thing. You have a, like a real golden book right here. <laughs> I really do recommend this for any kind of collection out there. It's really beautifully done. Like I said, it has a great mix of people. So you're getting like different accomplishments, different achievements, uh, different backgrounds and also the variety of like really well-known people and then some that might be new so yeah that's my book I really enjoyed it I'll have to pick that up um fourth grade 
uh, here uh, in, in our district uh, does a biography project at the end of the year, but it's related to the geography. So they each student gets assigned a state and then they have to find a person who was from that state to um, to do a biography. And then they do like a wax museum project. So, and I have a fourth grader. Well, what about you? What have you been reading? So as usual, even though we didn't talk to each other beforehand, um, I have a picture book. Oh, cool. <laughs> and it is by an Asian American. This is so cool. Which is, it's, it. but it's not a biography. Although it, well, no, it's not a biography. It's I'm a Unicorn by Helen Yoon. And <laughs> I'm looking I'm, at the cover. Yes. Oh, um, it is, the, the cover has this really adorable cow on it but it's a cow that only has one horn and on the back um the adorable cow is reading a book um that says unicorns facts and myth and it has the definition um it says from latin uni one cornu horn so this is about a cow that a young cow because i mean it's very childlike um that says, you know, I'm a unicorn because the definition of unicorn is one horn. And I was born with one horn. Love it. And then as the adorable cow keeps reading, there are all these other things supposedly that unicorns can do, like pooping rainbows and sparkling and having mane that smells like peach candy. And they get to a point that they're like, wait, am I a unicorn? I I can't do all these other things. And the poor little cow has an identity crisis and then runs into actual real unicorns and apologizes to them for having called themselves a unicorn before, because obviously now they aren't a unicorn. And the lovely unicorns, which do look like they sparkle, because unicorns sparkle. Very majestic. Yes, very. Uh, They they are fantastic and um, say, you know, well, do you have one horn? And the cow says, yes. They're like, yeah, sounds like a unicorn to me. <laughs> um, and there there are lots of other little details that are fantastic. I mean, the, the illustration style is cartoony. Um, you know, it looks kind of like graphite and watercolor, though it might be digital. Um, and the, the facial expressions are fantastic. Um, and there are also these like awesome details that the cow and the unicorn have different different fonts um throughout and then some really good you know poop humor for for our (laughs) young children or me because you know I I do enjoy poop jokes um so (laughs) I'll show you the last the last spread oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna leave it as a surprise um for anybody who does pick this up but even even the end papers so um Mm -hmm. this the front end papers are yellow and then there's just one horn that's sticking up and then in the back the end papers are uh rainbow sparkles so kind of showing the whole like growth of the um from from just a a cow with one horn to an actual unicorn and i love it they're like it just it's childlike it's funny um it talks about you know like i feel like a connection to words and and language and where do words come from but also like the concept of identity and Mm -hmm. and and disability you know kids who feel different but special because they're different Mm -hmm. um might enjoy this but it's also just a fun and funny book and um it was in a box of books that i opened yesterday and i was like i have to bring this home um (laughs) so i love it so much and um 
Helen Yoon, um, people may know her work. She's, um, she has this really adorable book called Off Limits about a kid who goes into their parents' office and touches all the things that they're not supposed oh. to touch. Um, and then another one called Sheepish Wolf Undercover. Um, and Have You Seen My Invisible Dinosaur? So uh, really fun, uh, creative um, books, and and I really love her work. So Oh, definitely check that out. Sounds good. I like I like a good funny book, you know? Mm-hmm. We deserve those. <laughs> but I do like that you I think you almost said that this might be a biography. <laughs> <laughs> it's a because bi- <laughs> so it's like not a biography, but it's it's about a character. <laughs> <laughs> kind of going back to identity. Identity. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a biography um... <laughs> of this this single horned cow. Cow a corn. Also sounds a bit like about belonging too. Yeah. Like I like that the unicorns were like, hey, rainbow poop doesn't matter as much as you know, it's the one horn and you're you can be you can be with us instead of so often we see the books where like characters are being mean to each other and usually it resolves but you know it's kind of like that's really refreshing yeah it's like you know welcoming and inclusive and I I just love that and this is I think that this would be a good jumping off point for conversations with kids too I would Mm -hmm. love to be able to do it in a story time or in a classroom um and then see you know what kids kind of draw from it right um you know or if they've ever felt like the unicorn cow the cowicorn (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Oh, thank you for sharing. Yes. Uh, so April, this week I got an email uh, from a librarian. Um, and in the it, it was about something completely unrelated to what we do here on the podcast. But um, in it, uh, she told a story um, that kind of posited a que- question. Is positive the right word? Yes. Uh, it brought up a question, which is for for people who run programs um, that or events that have children and grownups, or maybe even just grownups, um, and actually not even just events, but um, this is a really long, drawn out way of asking a question. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, what do you do with unruly grownups? Mm. And... What, how would you define unruly? So, you know, um, the, the example that this librarian shared was um, people showing up very late to events and then causing an uproar if they um, couldn't get in because they were late or because it was full um, or talking on their phone throughout it, uh, an event like during, cause you know, I used to have parent or parents sitting in the back of a story time talking to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, basically parents, grownups, not following the rules and expectations, uh, expected behavior that they expect the children to have. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that is, it is a common issue. In fact, when you first posited the question to me, <laughs> Um, I had just read an article in, um, Children in Libraries, the, oh yeah, um, ALSC magazine, Association of Library Services to Children magazine, uh, that was about, you know, sort of how to get parents or caregivers in story time, how to get them to 
kind of engage or mm-hmm. re-engage and not do that thing where they're just sitting in the back and on their phone. And I just read that and I thought the approach was sort of interesting here. Also a disclaimer. And I think we should make the same that like nothing's going to work a hundred percent of the time no, yeah. <laughs> and it's not going to work on every person, but they're and the, this article and I should look up who I have, uh, wrote it, to give them credit. And I'll link to it in the, the um, show notes, but uh, Anne Hada uh, suggests this sort of element of surprise, Ooh. which I don't think, yeah, <laughs> which I don't think will actually surprise too many people. Once you read it, like some of the suggestions, it's really just to kind of have a few things in your like back pocket, or actually she talks about having an, an actual apron that she like has things in the pockets to pull out to like kind of get everyone not just the kids but the parents too to sort of like refocus and... I just have this like mental image of her pulling out like a rabbit out of the pocket we like <laughs> a rabbit that would be amazing I mean there you go we could just pull a rabbit out of a pocket or a hat or something yeah <laughs> and then everyone will like like record scratch stuff they're doing <laughs> and pay attention to you because now there's a rabbit running yeah. around the room and everybody's trying to catch it <laughs> but yeah I do think so number one like nothing's gonna work 100% of the time and some people are just you know obnoxious people that you're going to have a really hard time dealing with. But I did like the idea of like, you know, just having a few strategies, whether it's story time or something else that you can try out. Mm -hmm. But like something like showing up late or like kind of causing a scene. I don't know. You know, I don't think there's really anything you can do to prevent that. I think it's more in how you deal with it and examining like why it's an issue. And that's something I had to do when I worked in a public library. Like, you know, to me was being late to story time, a big deal. Right. You know, and like kind of thinking about that, like, and what problems that created, if any, and then making adjustments. Yeah. And again, so this is going to be different for like each person. Um, I mean, there's not really much you can do about capacity. Like if you reach capacity you're there <laughs> you you reach yeah. capacity and so if the person shows up late and that's what the issue is you know I don't know if you have some other ideas but I just think you know listening even if you're not really like into what <laughs> the person's <laughs> saying or you're like the appearance I would say of listening um obviously if they're like really causing a scene and yelling I would just ask them to leave I mean I don't I would not have a problem with that sometimes that just work just like listening and empathizing and being mm-hmm. like, I'm so sorry, you know, but it's the rules of the fire department. There's nothing we can do. But then also I would do this thing. I don't want to call it a trick, but it wasn't a trick, but it was asking the adult for help. Um, so you're kind of turning the table, you know, kind of like, oh, can you help me out with this? So if it's, they come in late all the time and they're disrupting, You can just say, can you help me out? If you're going to come late, could you come in quietly? Mm -hmm. Do you mind sitting at the back or something like that? I was thinking of it more in terms of when I would get, I don't know if I call this unruly parents, but, (laughs) um, you know, we get a lot of suggestions for things we should do or how we should do them. And then that's when I would kind of like turn it 
on them and be like, oh, that's such an interesting idea or like that sounds great, but we don't really have enough staff for that. So is that something you could volunteer for? And mm. then they would go away and never bother. <laughs> They're like, no, I can't. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, because sometimes they just want you to do the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you're kind of like, well, I want you to do the thing, then then it kind of goes away. But yeah, I'm curious what some of your your thoughts were. I feel like there are a lot of different parts to it. Um, so with when it was came to story time and parents, um, I used to run a story time that where the kids were about one and a half to three, and so I actually would I I, I controlled parent behavior by um, tying into their kids' development. And so I talk, mm-hmm. I would always start new because we did series. So we would do like six weeks and we'd have the same groups in for six weeks. So I'd start and say, you know, the way we do, the way I, I do the story time is it's uh, participatory. Everybody participates. And the reason is you want to be able to learn all of the songs and things so that you can do them at home with your kids because that is part of their development. So this is a, a way for you to. Um, really participate in your kids' development, and that usually did it. Um, you know, and and so like all of the parents would participate and sing and clap and stuff. And uh, I didn't tend to have a lot of people sitting in the back. I mean, actually, after I started doing that, I didn't tend to have people like sitting in the back um, chatting or on their phone. But with regard to you know showing up late and and having being upset about things, the being late never really bothered me so much um when it was when I was doing events with kids especially thinking about it now that I have kids um because getting out of the house with children is Mm -hmm. so hard right you know you never I mean depending on your kid like they could have a meltdown over putting socks on yeah did you did you ever go to that I feel like you were there with me but there was the program we did at the USS Constitution Museum. I did not go and, to that. Oh, you didn't go to that. No. Okay, so they had this great exercise where it was basically like you're trying to walk from one end of the room to another, but you kept having these obstacles that would kind of like set you back. And and I think they might have even done it with like, you know, two people are doing it at the same time and one doesn't get the obstacles and one does. And it was basically to show, you know, and it was stuff like, oh, you have to go back for the sippy cup. Nope, mm-hmm. not that one, the green one, you yes. know, like, all these <laughs> Those things. socks feel yeah. weird. <laughs> yeah, all the things that a person with a child trying to get out of the house is kind of up against. You know, I th- I thought it was a great exercise because it really did build empathy. But yeah, like you, I I run late. It's just yeah. how I am. Um, I try I try really hard. You know, obviously, like oh, a job interview, like you're gonna do everything in your power <laughs> to mm-hmm. not be late. You're trying to bring your kid to story time. Yeah, I, I get it. Like I don't think I would make that number one priority. And as the librarian, I'm I'm glad you you came. You got mm-hmm. here. That doesn't bother me and I get that maybe some people it really does bother them but then that's why I would I would examine that I would think why does it bother me what's the service I'm actually providing does the person you know will they still get anything out of it if they come late and I would say yeah probably they will yeah and your goodwill your good naturedness towards them this isn't really answering the question but (laughs) your good naturedness towards them that 
that goes a long way too. Um, way more than the benefit of them arriving on time. Yeah. It's more, I think it's more like when it becomes, when it's disruptive, when there is a problem. And so there's not just the being late, there's lots of stuff that can cause that. I would also say too, like if a person's being unruly in the library, there are two things. One, yeah, try to like kind of check in with your empathy to figure out, you know, and, and actually not just figure out, but to realize it probably has nothing to do with you in the library. Like whatever's going on with them it could be a totally separate thing, but it's just coming out in this way. But also not to be afraid to tell a person like what the boundaries are, what the limits are. And, and maybe and that includes having them leave if they, you know, are really pitching a fit. And I think that's, a thing I do see, not to like kind of victim blame <laughs> library staff, but I see way too much. And I've been there myself where you just don't want to deal with the problem. You just want it to to stop. Or you think of like kind of these more um, like passive aggressive ways to deal with something when, you know, so giving someone the side eye <laughs> because they come in late and that distracted you and some other people, that's never going to work. You know, that just is never going to work. But if you're actually like talk to the person and can have a conversation with them, one, you might find out something that's important, um, you know, what, why what's happening is happening. But two, then you can kind of really set that limit. Like if it is something like a recurring lateness that, you know, they come in late and they have like 10 million crinkly bags, and, you know, uh, it's like really disruptive to everyone else you can, you can kind of set a limit. Like, you know, I know it's hard for you to get here on time, but when you come in, if you could help me out by, you know, leaving the bags outside the door or something. And I think that, you know, with there being a capacity, that's a natural consequence for, you know, if you're late all the time and it's at capacity, that's, I'm sorry, you need to get here on time and maybe you'll make it in. Um, I think that the capacity issue is another thing that, you know, it is, it's a limit that's not, it's, it's determined by your space and, and um, your, your policies and, and safety. So it's, um, it's not um, flexible, really. Um, the fact that somebody complains about it, though, um, I, th- I think that it can be really frustrating um, as anybody, you know, when somebody complains about you or complains to you for something that's not really in your control. Um, I think, you know, we can learn a lot from trauma-informed philosophy and, and approaches and, and really kind of trying to, like you said, take a, a very empathetic approach. Um, that doesn't mean you can't vent to your friends and people elsewhere later, but in the moment, you know, really trying to to realize that there probably are a lot of other things going on in this person's life. And Either they're, you know, they, they might be a person that complains about everything, or they might just be having a really rough day, um, or this kind of triggers issues that they've had in the past about being late and, and not making it, or they feel guilty because they didn't get their kid into a program. There's so many different things that could be going on. And I think it sometimes helps protect your own uh, mental health and um, stress levels if you just remember that it's not a you issue. You know, it's right. They, the, this person has stuff going on 
and listening to them and letting them kind of release a little bit of that pressure might make their day better. And um, Well, you're making me think of, though, too, along those lines is ask for help from your coworkers. Yes, yes. And and again, that that's not something that, you know, you should be like ashamed that you can't deal with it or, you know, I'm not, and I'm just projecting here. Like, I'm not saying this is how everyone feels, but if you're like, feel bad or you feel like you should be able to handle it or whatever the thing is, um, you know, scrap that. It's okay to ask for help. So what I used to do <laughs> my libraries, we would take turns yeah, um, and we would literally say to each other, it's your turn. You go. Yep. It's your turn. And uh, so, okay. So it's not my original <laughs> idea. <but laughs> it used to happen to us a lot. I mean, this and uh, not even related to children's programs or events as when um, I had to work, work the main circulation desk and, you know, the, mm-hmm. you, you handle every person who comes into the library and some are easier Mm -hmm. than others and so yeah we would take turns Mm -hmm. yeah again I do think there are people who you know it's their nature to complain about everything and not that it makes it any easier but like you can expect it and so you know and again you don't take it Mm -hmm. personal you just know oh that's so and so like they're gonna find something wrong and I think this is applicable to like any kind of job really like anytime you deal with people this is people um we we started it with talking about like parents but it really isn't specific to parents no it's all people and I would be curious though I mean I would love to hear from our listeners like if they have some good strategies for dealing with this stuff I was just going to say shout out to, because actually I just uh, it just remem- remembered that um, this is a listener who emailed. So um, shout out to Kay. I, I'm not going to use uh, their na- full name because I didn't get permission. <laughs> but you know who you are. And I really appreciate you giving us uh, something to talk about on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Thank you. Well, and on that note, um, if you do have a, a burning question for us, we would love to hear it. You can email us your questions at this pod is overdue at gmail.com. And it's also a good time to plug yes. our Instagram, uh, which is at this pod is overdue because you can follow us there. You can also ask us questions And I had somebody ask this week about, um, are there ways to support us that aren't Patreon or Ko-Fi? Are are there things? And I'm like, absolutely. Sharing, telling people about us, listening, um, leaving uh, reviews on different podcast um, platforms. All of those support us. And um, we're just so grateful that people listen. Um, It's really fun to go about my workday and then have somebody be like, oh, I just listened to the most recent episode I just I get little tingles every joy kabooms I get joy kabooms every time oh, that someone, yeah. someone says that. little throwback <laughs> uh yes and absolutely we love our patreon supporters small but mighty group and they are helping us to make the podcast ad free not that we're like oh we're gonna get tons of ads <laughs> but I like listening to stuff without ads so I want I want to do that here um but it helps us Uh, pay for things like doing our transcript through Descript. Um, We're trying out a new recording software, which for right now is free, but I don't know if it's always going to be free. (laughs) So things like that. Um, Pay our artists for our new artwork that we hope to reveal soon. Still working on that. 
But, um, but yeah, just by listening and enjoying the podcast, like that helps us keep it going. That's what we want. We hope that's what you want too. So that's an awesome question. Thank you. So Christy, what have you been learning lately? I have to thank you for this. So yes, yes, because I am learning how to felt. (laughs) Y'all, I had COVID recently and um, around the like first, I think it was like the first day I was sick and in quarantine, uh, April sent me a video. I think it was a like on Instagram reel, but, uh, but the person um, I've also follow on TikTok, um, uh, she's a, a, a mom who has ADHD and um, the video made me laugh so hard because one, she said she collects, ho- collecting hobbies is her hobby, which yes, that is me. Uh, and two, <laughs> that she like really likes stabbing things and it's very satisfying. <laughs> and I, um, it's already kind of a running joke with my friends that I cross stitch mostly just so I can stab something a lot. Um, and so I, uh, uh, one night in a, semi-feverish haze while I had COVID, I ordered um, a felting kit from Joanne Fabrics um, because I couldn't go to the one nearby. I had to order it. Um, Oddly, it got shipped from like Michigan or somewhere um, and it didn't show up in time. I thought it would be perfect like activity to do while I was in quarantine. It did not show up in time, Um, but I do have the kit now and I pulled it out um, the other day and started working on um, this little fox, uh, which is very adorable in the picture. I don't think my fox is going to be the same. I've told (laughs) a a bunch of friends that I think it's going to be like nailed it, the craft edition. Um, When I like compare my fox to the picture of the fox that, um, uh, because like (laughs) the instructions on the outside were like, step one, pull out felt step two do the felting and I was like are you kidding like that's not helpful at all and the the instructions were okay I ended up watching some YouTube videos which also were left out lots of steps um lots of the like how long it takes it to actually come together mm, right because well I don't think you've mentioned you're felting with a needle so that's where the stabbing comes in Oh, right. Yes. Needle felting. So, yeah. (laughs) So with needle felting, you take like bits of wool and kind of move it together and then use this needle um, and you stab it repeatedly. And the needle has little like um, little cuts on it um, that that some places I've read said uh, call it barbs. But I was I actually was reading histories of history of felting um before we recorded just so i could know a little bit more but that it's actually they're not barbs they're little like cuts into the needle and what that they do is they grab pieces of the fiber and it it basically is matting up the fiber together and weaving it together a little bit so that the wool goes from like floofy cotton candy like stuff to you know compact and and um malleable um so I actually did read a bunch about the history of felting because I, I, as I was doing this, you know, like stabbing this like pile of orange wool, I was like, how did people discover that they could do this? Like, what was it? Right. What, what was that thing? I always think about this, like, you know, when especially like, too. Like olives, olives, who discovered that you could like brine <laughs> and then you won't die. But okay. That's, that's a different rabbit hole. Um, 
but filting uh that uh, they actually um historians and archaeologists they think actually started in central asia um and likely because you know you know sheep wool gets matted and then you can like do things with it and it's kind of waterproof um but like yurts are made out of felt um a lot of like the clothing and boots and and stuff for um for uh, peoples who live in in Central Asia um, are made from felt um, because there weren't a lot of trees in the area, so animal fiber was the way to go to make things. Um, and yeah, yeah, it was very interesting. And needle felting um, as a craft, there, like there's a ton of stuff out there and a ton of people. And I, I actually found this uh, Japanese artist who makes uh, artwork like. I'm, I'm using my hands as if anybody could see me, but like big, like hang it on the wall artwork um, of rabbits. And then I watched this video oh. that she made that was like stop action um, video of, in Japanese about with this felted rabbit. I, I really did went go down like a, a felting rabbit hole. <laughs> Uh, you're kind of like me. It sounds like you put more time into the like learning about <laughs> than the actual. I did. I know. Just... I'll, actually, right now, all I have is a tail and a one and a <laughs> half ears for my fox. But I will finish it. I'll take pictures. I sent a. I sent a video of me just stabbing things to, to April and to to my other friend and. Um, yeah, and then my son also. It is therapeutic, it is, yeah, though. my son was like, "Can I stab things?" <laughs> <laughs> sure yeah, if it's don't, a and don't hurt yourself yeah no blood allowed yeah on the because it makes it the craft less interesting it makes it kind of gross right <laughs> <sighs> yeah That's so, awesome. so what have you been learning april so mine's kind of related That's awesome. uh, in the funny way yeah i had watched a video a while back about um it was like this woman i follow who does like a lot of um her own like craft or like interior design type stuff. And she was in the LA area and she went to a basically like an arts and craft thrift store. And I had never heard of that. I And I thought it was oh such a gosh. brilliant idea because yeah, right. Like if you're into arts and crafts, you always have stuff that you like tried but you didn't yeah. get into or like people give you kits and you're like oh I'm gonna do that one day and then you don't um or sometimes you buy them yourself if I'm being honest yeah or or you get super into a hobby and then you lose interest yes yeah <laughs> totally totally so I love the idea of this like a place to donate those kind of items but also to shop mm -hmm. for them I thought that was so great like especially if you are just trying out something and you don't want to spend a lot of money or you don't want like the whole full kit of things you know you just want like a couple pieces to try something out and I thought this is such a great idea but I have never heard of this in Massachusetts like I think I feel like I would have heard of this but there is no one in way. Massachusetts and I had not heard of it. Yeah. And actually it's in Somerville. So it's called Make and Mend and it is a nonprofit. I, I don't know how many people run it now, but there's like one woman who it sort was her dream, you know, her um, idea to, to do this. And I do think for a while it was all online. I think partly because of COVID, but also just partly from when it was starting up. So you could send in donations and drop them off at a certain place, but all the shopping was online. 
you can still shop online, which is great. So if you're not, yeah, if you're not from this area or you can't get out to Somerville, you can still shop online and have it shipped to you. But they also have a store. So I actually debated. I was like, oh, do I put this in my love? Is this a love or is this (laughs) a learn? But I actually haven't been there. So I can't say, you know, I haven't bought anything. I haven't been there. But I was learning about it. So I learned that it exists. I learned more about, you know, how it's run and things like that. It's all very, like, it's just so great. So it's a brilliant idea. Yeah. And you can donate. So you can send in your donations or drop them off. So I do. I have a little collection of things. I was, like, cleaning <gasps> out my That's, craft I have closet. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we can get together and do it together. So, yeah, I have a bag kind of going. Also, like, books and um, magazines. So, yeah, but I'm excited to check out the store. So, like, I'll I'll bring my donations instead of uh, shipping them. And, um, yeah, I just I love the concept. I think it's such a great idea. I hope to see, like, more of them pop up. And if you are not in Massachusetts and you're trying to find one in your area, you know, the search terms I used were, like, art thrift store, but also you could try, like, resale mm-hmm. shop. Um art, you know, art and craft resale. I know that some thrift stores have, you know, sometimes they'll sell craft things, but I love that this is all dedicated just to arts and crafts. I did think too, this is good for library workers who want to grab stuff. Um, And again, like if you're on a budget, but also you could donate because we would often have that where it'd be like, oh, we have just a few of this whatever left and I don't think we're going to make whatever that was again. Um, And now you have a place could you could bring them to clean out your work craft closet as well perfect so yeah make and mend so fun thank you thank you so i mean you you refer you kind of refer to this um as a possible love but so what did you pick for your love totally capitalistic um (laughs) super selfish thing I have I keep a list you know of things like possibilities well because a lot of times we go to record and I'm like oh I don't know what have I been learning or what have I been loving whatever I the book is usually the easiest part but anyway it's a thing called Rakuten um you may have heard of it some well so I I think I might have, I don't know quite what it is right now, but like, I, I also didn't ever know how to pronounce it. Okay. <laughs> well, it's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. It's basically one of these like cash back for shopping sites. Um, Honey is another one of them. Yes. I, I actually have that installed and I find it very annoying. Yeah, I haven't used Honey. I used to do Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A, which is an app, but you would have to scan receipts. So the way these places work, it's like you buy something and then you get a percentage back or some sort of money back. So the way Ibotta worked, you it was mostly I did it for groceries and you would have to like put things sort of on your list Um, And then you would have to scan the paper, you know, with your phone, take a picture of the receipt, and then you would get money back. So it's sort of like couponing, but in reverse, like, you know, like I would, I would look and say, oh, it's a 10 cents if I buy um, Cheerios, and I usually buy Cheerios. So yeah, you know, go through the process and get my 10 cents. It was like a little bit of a pain and it was mostly for groceries. And if like my husband forgot the receipt, 
um, I would get all <laughs> mad and be like, my 10 cents. Um, <laughs> so lately I've been using Rakuten a lot. And the reason why I'm bringing it up as a love is because I've reached almost like $100 cash wow. back. And this is shopping like I already do. So I do think, you know, there's this line, like if you have, if you have issues with impulse shopping, like maybe maybe yeah. this isn't for you or maybe it is because then at least you get more, <laughs> some money back i don't know you do you but i really limit it i don't go to the site and look like oh what's what's a deal because they will show you like different mm-hmm. percentages you know it could be one percent this week but next week your favorite store is having five percent cash back um you know and they have like coupon codes and things like that so if if you have a shopping problem and you're trying to curb it maybe don't but if you know that you could like limit it. So Target is one of their oh. vendors. Yeah, I shop at Target, but it's like, I might as well get money back because it's not based on, different from Ibotta, it's not based on actual items. It's your oh. total. Yeah, so I'll be shopping online. And they do, they have a Chrome extension. So like if I go to a website and they participate with Rakuten, the little Chrome extension lights up. Um, or sometimes I'll go to the site, I'll go to the Rakuten site, search for the, you know, I'm thinking of buying something from this website, see if they participate. And then you kind of like go through. So you kind of like enter through their portal and it'll tell you like, yay, you're getting 2% cash back. And again, one of the things I like about it, it's pretty immediate in terms of like, I know it worked, right? It'll show you like this little message that you're on your way. There's also an app. So if like I'm on my phone, um, and I go to the app, I can search in a place and, and see again, if I'm, if I'm shopping, happen to be shopping that way. Uh, so I have a question about Rakuten, which I thought was pronounced Rakuten. <laughs> uh, it could be. <laughs> no, no, no. But so here's my question, because it's the same name as the owning company that owns Overdrive. Really? Is it the same? That's that's oh, the I thing I've always been confused by. That's why when you said, have you heard of it? I was like, oh, yes, but I don't know if I'm right. It's spelled the same way. I will have to look that up. I will look that up, but I'd be curious if our listeners know. Yeah. So this company is based in Japan and they bought Overdrive in 2015. I do know that Rakuten, the shopping one, they bought Ebates, which I never used. But I, when I was sort of looking up uh, how it works for today's episode, I, I learned that. What I was trying to find out was like, my assumption is that the reason why you get money is that these the companies, the shopping vendors must give Rakuten something, right? Yeah, yeah. Because it does drive traffic to their websites for customer service when I had noticed transactions didn't go through. It's really easy to resolve. Um, I didn't have to talk to a person or anything. (laughs) Oh, that's always the best. Um, And they just kind of, they were like, oh yeah, here's the, you know, here it is in your account. Um, One thing I think some people don't care for is that your cash back doesn't, they don't distribute it um immediately it like it's you have like to get a tipping point or something yeah or like i think it's every quarter they just do that um 
but it's like really easy to use. I think I have a referral code, which is not why I'm talking about it. (laughs) But if it's one of those things, like tell a friend and they get 10 bucks and you get 10 bucks, like then I'll throw that link in there or otherwise I'll just put the link. I don't, I don't really care about that part, but I do happen to like when it's like, like I had a friend who's, um, was looking for some banking stuff and I was like, ooh, I wonder if I have one of those codes. Like if you open an account, yeah. you know, then we both get something. But the bank doesn't do that. <laughs> um, you know, I want my free toaster. But anyway, yeah, this is just like <laughs> if you're already shopping, right, you're already shopping online, check it out. I think it's worth it. Like I said, I I mean, I'm sure if I was more diligent, if I did more shopping, I'd have even more money. But I'm like 100 bucks for nothing, But then you're also spending money. You don't need to spend money to get money. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if I'm already... Don't spend extra money just to get the cash back because... No, yeah, I wouldn't do that. But like, I'm already going to buy from, you know, whatever. I'm already shopping at Target. And if some place is willing to give me 2% of what I've spent, then I'll take it. Yeah. Um, And I haven't really done anything. So it's just kind of like a cool. And like I said, there are other plenty of other places do this also. If you like one better, um, you can also let us know about that, too. But yeah. And I just did a quick Google search and it does seem like it is the same company. That's interesting. Yeah. Article um, from American Libraries magazine um, actually mentioned that the, the company is a Japanese online retailing company. So I wonder if that is, I'll have to read that. We'll put that in our show notes too. I'm wondering if that is good or bad or neither. I don't know. know. Jinx. (laughs) Well, what about you? What are you you loving? So again, in our synergy, um, (laughs) mine is also about a Japanese company. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, this is a guilty secret a little guilty secret, but not really a big, not really a secret at all either. Um, I love Pokemon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I, what's funny is, so I, I first was introduced to Pokemon when I was in grad school, I think my husband, now husband, then boyfriend was playing it on um on a, a simulator on his computer and I thought it was the most ridiculous thing I'm like you are a child like what are you doing but um over the years you know I've gotten to know more about them mostly because of my kids and in 2016 we actually I had downloaded a Pokemon Go for my phone because my kids at the time were uh, I can't do that math right now. Um, they were like, they were like, little, they were little. And, um, my husband put it on his phone for our daughter, but then our little was younger and sad that he couldn't play too. Um, and so I had it on my phone and then I got quickly addicted to it, um, and collecting and catching Pokemon. Um, and so I, I had an old phone and I had to take it off the phone because it just wasn't working anymore. But this summer, I added it back on. I don't, I think because my son got into it again. He's, he loves po- all things Pokemon, like so obsessed with, with um, the games on the Nintendo Switch and cards and, you know, like all things Pokemon. And um, he had Pokemon go on his um, iPad. And um, so I was like, well, I'll just put it on my phone. And so we've started going for walks together um, and we go on Pokemon walks. And sometimes every once in a while we'll drive places (laughs) to play. (laughs) And um, I I just I realized that 
I really, really like them. They're, they're creative and interesting. Like they're, I love the naming of the different um, pet Pokemon. So Pokemon for the uninformed, it's a Japanese game. Pokemon actually means pocket monster. And they're little cre- they're creatures that live in the wild and have different um, powers and um, a little weird that like you you have them fight each other. Um, but there's there's a whole backstory to to it. Is is it? Did it not start as a show, like an animated series, or did it start as the game? You know, I probably should have done that research. I was focused more on Pokemon Go uh, when I was looking up stuff for the pod for the episode. Um, I don't remember which was first. It's kind of like chicken and egg, I think. Um, the the anime, which was you know Ash and Pikachu um, and their adventures, um, and then the the card game. Um, but it, I mean, they've been around for a long time. Yes. Um, yeah, and like and we've had Pokemon in our family for a long time um even you know pre-kids but then um, both kids have been very into it and um uh in the card collecting side of things i didn't get as involved into it until it was on my phone and i could actually walk around my neighborhood and and basically get rewarded for going for walks makes dog walking so much more interesting like oh look i caught like a really cute uh phantom today um which is like a little phantom inside a tree stump (laughs) (laughs) well i do think i mean both of us are interested like we both love games Mm -hmm. and sort of making things not like a hard challenge but like yeah you're adding on to your walk it is yeah yeah i'm like i'm incentivizing my walk Well, same with my shopping. Exactly. <laughs> it's all about rewards. It is. It is. Yeah. And well, and also that kind of goes to like how our brains work, right? We need mm, different kinds mm-hmm. of rewards and interesting things to make monotonous stuff Ooh, easier yes. to handle. Yeah. And not that walking my dog is always monotonous because he is a challenge sometimes, but um, but that like I don't always want to go for a walk, especially when the weather's bad or, you know, or mm-hmm. I just am tired. But so this is like, oh, I could go for a walk and I could leave one of my Pokemon at the gym that's like half a mile down the road and I get a benefit from that. And look, I also like, you know, there you evolve Pokemon from like one kind of creature to another. And so like some of, and they take certain amounts of candy to, to evolve and you get candy by catching the Pokemon. So there's a, a thing that you're working toward. And so that's the incentive and not the just walking because. Right. Yeah. So, um, so I got, you know, I just get really excited about certain ones and the, and the names are, are hysterical. Um, there's um, the one that I was like catching a ton of to, to evolve is this little red panda looking one and his name's Stuffle <laughs> and, it, and it evolves into this bigger like bear thing named Beware. <laughs> and like and but yeah it's they're creative and funny and the store they all have backstories um which you don't know until you like go like you there are books that have like basically it's an encyclopedia and it's a reference book of pokemon Ah. and they have like little backstories and those are fascinating so i'll put a um i'll share a picture on instagram of um my uh, avatar and my current pokemon buddy which is a togekiss which is adorable <laughs> and um <laughs> oh awesome yeah you we actually talked about this 
before and that made me download the app but then I didn't I've never used it oh yeah I like the idea of like going for a walk and having a little game to go with it it's it's really it's really fun and it's been this great thing that we start are doing as a family too yeah you know and and um because there's a team that you can you're on a team and so the teams take over the gyms and you can see like there we oh we got into this whole like um conspiracy theory thing and like uh rivalry in our town there are these there are people who keep like kicking us out of gyms and my son and I were drive drove to one and like we took over a gym and then it got taken back right away and so we could figure out who the person was like it's just there's so many layers <laughs> <laughs> but I'll just stick with like I I I really enjoy the game and and the and the Pokemon themselves, and I would love to pick the brains of the people who come up with the names and the backstories. Mm. Like, like that just seems like the coolest job ever. Yeah, I want to get them together with the people who name OPI nail polishes. Yes, because I love yes. their names also. <laughs> yes, my favorite one ever was I. I may have talked about on the Pokemon on the Pokemon on the podcast before, <laughs> but um, uh, I I went to my high school reunion once I'll never do it again but I I went and I I got a manicure beforehand and um the color I picked was kind of this gray color and it was called I don't give a Rotterdam (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) yeah they do have the best name oh well thank you for sharing that yeah maybe I'll get some people into uh Pokemon yes if anybody plays and wants to be my friend on Pokemon (laughs) Go I'll um I'll put my name and stuff in and we can, we can be friends. Cool. I'm going to do it. Now I'm re-inspired. Yay. I want to be friends. Um, April, be my friend. (laughs) Finally. (laughs) All these years. (laughs) This is what it takes. (laughs) Um, This was enjoyable. It was. It's always good to chat with you and our listeners. And hopefully um, we will hear from them. Yes love to hear from you whether you have a question or not or um something you want to tell us about or if you've read some of the books we've read or do you have recommendations of things that you'd like us to to read or talk about or try yes please our email again is this pod is overdue at gmail.com and thank you so much for listening bye everyone happy reading bye Thanks for listening to This Podcast is Overdue with Christy and April. Bye, everyone. Happy reading. Our podcast music was provided by thepodcasthost.com and Alidu, the podcast maker. Find your own free podcast music over at thepodcasthost.com slash free music. like that I waved (laughs) (laughs) I waved to the listeners (laughs) Uh, I'm gonna go take a nap